Welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast for film fans by film fans. Every episode, we look at films old and new to choose what should be preserved for all time in our movie vault. With lively topics, big questions, and crazy challenges to entertain us and our guests, we always look to have fun by giving you the topics worth discussing and the movies worth watching, even if there are some duds along the way. But don't just take my word for it. Here's a preview of what to expect in today's episode. This is why I am issuing you a challenge here, Steph and I, publicly on this podcast. So hopefully you're listening. And maybe Dan and Joe, because they also will. Like, oh, and Dan, yes. and Dan and Joe, because also you are suck ups and you also need to be dealt with. I'm challenging you all. If you object to the removal of coming out of the movie vault, this is what is happening. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Are you not Hello, we're back for our first episode of 2022. Happy New Year to all of our listeners. And this is actually our first in-person recording that we've done in about nearly two years due to the pandemic. So very special episode today. Uh, We're actually in our new recording space as well. So we're going to be talking all about that. Uh, how it's been for the last two and a half years, picking some favorite uh, movies throughout it, and also going through the movie vault, uh, which we think is in dire need of a sort of catch up and a refresh. So I am your host, David Osger, and I am, of course, joined by my fellow co-host, Craig McDonald. Hello, Craig. I can touch your face. <laughs> I was tempted to use the Voldemort like, I can touch you now. <laughs> I mean, all you're doing is encouraging me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not pinned up against like a grave like in that. All in right, that don't film. depict our relationship more than it actually is. <laughs> Just a bunch of death eaters surrounding us. Uh, so, Craig, yeah, how is it being back? I mean, it's weird I can touch your face. Uh, <laughs> It's also just weird for the first time in ages, and I think listeners might also find this a bit disconcerting as well. The clarity of my voice due to having access to this technology again is quite worrying, and I don't like my voice. Well, also, I suppose we're in kind of cold flu season and, you know, lots of bugs and stuff going around. So a lot of people are a bit more like horse and stuff at the moment as well. So that that might change things. I've noticed myself when I've been recording things recently. I'm like, I sound a lot more gruff because of like having a cough and that kind of thing. Oh, I've just been aged 20 years by this entire process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like that Spider-Man animated episode where Peter Parker is uh, aged horribly by... Uh, uh... And just the vulture is just the years that have been 2020 and 2021. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so we're also here in our new setup. So we uh, have previously been obviously recording digitally uh, from our own homes during the pandemic. Uh, and before that, we had a very cool uh, recording studio that we had access to. So now we're here in our new location, which we've uh, teased before, I believe, in our endgame special, etc. So, Craig, how does it feel to be in our new space? You say new space. This is basically just your new flat. <laughs> No, it's nice and intimate. Um, Obviously, I'm intrigued to see how we get more people in here, but I am glad that you've added a gong to this place. I think that's quite prestigious. (laughs) Hey, listeners, this is the gong. (laughs) 
Look at that beauty girl. <laughs> it's like the opening of those classic movies where it's like a man like hitting the gong. That's how we'll start. What I episodes. like about this is it means that, you know, all those times over Zoom, I had to private message you being like, move on, get this guy to <laughs> shut up. What the fuck is going on? Sorry, swearing. Actually, no, I don't care. Fuck it. <laughs> now I can just like slam the gong and just be like, oh, look at that. We need to move on, don't we? Oh, look at that. Damn it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, you know, the great thing about this is where, yeah, like you said, where I have moved, I have specifically looked for somewhere where I could have recording space, you know, office space. So it's very much in the forefront to make sure that uh, this room was set up to uh, podcast in it. We got some, you know, nice soundproofing. We got the mics all set up again, which we haven't used uh, properly in over, you know, two years. And uh, yeah, we get to, to enjoy having in-person recordings again. So it'd be nice to get guests coming back which are obviously like based locally but we'll still be using over the internet or interviews to make sure that we can still get guests from around the country different countries america different places in the uk so uh but it just means like you said that better intimacy and also the us two can always be there so people can see us together even when we are doing those digital interviews etc yeah especially considering that over the last couple of years as much as things have gone badly in a lot of places the entire thing that it has allowed for us is that there's been a lot more stability when it comes to internet interactions for recording the podcast. I remember the first ever time we tried to, you know, have a guest on virtually. Mm. The tech was not in place to realistically be nice to us. Um, not to name any names, but, uh, you know, Skype. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Where Zoom has just been, you know, good. Yeah, I, I was thinking that actually, like thinking back to like that first digital recording we had to do, I was like, how far we've come since those days. But yeah, I guess like people have said with things like the cinema, there's something about that in-person experience, but also digital stuff has allowed us to explore new avenues. Like I think with the end game specials, et cetera, I don't, you know, we were trying to think of like, how are we going to do this when we were still doing in-person recording was in a way the digital stuff actually made it easier so that we could have like eight people on a recording session at the same time without sort of cramming loads of people in one room and sharing mics and all that kind you of stuff. You say that, we were looking at getting an actual sort of TV studio for oh, that, yeah, that's and that would have been great. Oh yeah, that, no, that's what I mean. But we were thinking about the logistics of that when we were doing in person, but then when it came to the digital side, we were like, oh, okay, this is how we now do this uh, in in this way. So, you know, in the future, we know that there they can be that hybrid version of ways we do things, uh, which has sort of opened our eyes to that. For everyone at home, you know, this is uh, very much like a bonus episode as we go into the new year in which it gives us a chance to catch up with you guys. Just, you know, listen to me and Craig uh, for once in terms of, you know, our banter and, our you know, disagreements and arguments. Uh, you can sort of catch up with us in terms of things that we've been watching or some of the thoughts we've had on the podcast for the past uh, year or so. Uh, but also we thought that it was a good chance to catch up on the movie vault. Uh, so ever since we have, you know, launched as well good movies, we've had our vault of movies, which is located down in the film gods well. And uh, we have been 
popping movies into there which we think deserve to be remembered for all time which are the you know cream of the crop of what we've discussed but we've added so much over this like last two and a half years we felt that we kind of needed to remind ourselves about what's in there and also just kind of refine and make the definitive list so going into this year now where we got some exciting new announcements we can kind of say right this is the movie vault going into 2022 and we can kind of you know remind audiences of what's in there so people can say right well i want to see you discuss this or why hasn't that gone in there already or i'm happy that this is in here so it'll be a nice chance of reflection in that way uh so craig you know my big question for you first of all how do you feel after the 50 episodes uh the main episodes and all that time we had as film talk before that and having recorded for just over two years having done this you know entire project i think it's mad the amount of scope that we've been able to get uh get because obviously we try and focus on, you know, the topics worth discussing. Just the fact that we've been able to get through so many vast topics, I think, is actually quite impressive. Um, especially considering, I think, when this, you know, the entire thing originally started, it was very much a sort of fan's perspective. And that generally means certain types of films don't really get discussed because they're not the, you know, the public consciousness to a great degree. So it's actually been quite nice being doing some of the sort of niche areas and granted... A lot of this year has just been used to punish me. So when a later question comes up, it's going to be a bit of a difficult one. I think the entire thing itself has been quite good. Getting up to the, the 50 episodes, I think there are areas where it was definitely a, definitely a slog just because of the types of things that people wanted us to talk about. And it's just, oh, you are sadistic people. But generally, I'm, I'm very proud of what we've done and everything we got through. Um, obviously haven't had had much chance to sort of reflect on a lot of things after the sort of the 50th and the end game special because lots of things happened in life so we haven't really done all that much since then so mm. i think it's actually quite good that we've had that sort of space to sort of just look at things and just you know look at what's coming ahead yeah because i think you know it is with people knowing at home it, it's similar to how people i think have operated in real life isn't it that we've kind of got used to this way of operating for the past so a year and a half or more with the pandemic and then as we saw like come out to that and then saw new challenges arise you know that's what we've definitely found within the past few months so ways it's given us that chance to be like you know we want to do our 50th episode we want to have this big celebration we wanted to do that long planned bond episode we wanted to do a champion of champions for the end game specials so i think that I'm glad that we've sort of managed to get all of those out there. But for anyone who's like, you know, noticed that maybe our episode count has sort of dropped or we've had some stuff pop up a bit later, then, you know, a lot has changed. As you said, you know, we're now in this recording space. We're in, you know, this new location because I've started a new job and there's been lots of different things changing in terms of like dates and availability and getting used to new work schedules. So, you know, the start of the pandemic to now, you know, things really have changed. And I think that that's where now I can look back on it and really go, wow, how how things have changed since we first started, how we've got this big group of people uh, which like help us out and come on, on the podcast, uh, which we love speaking to them, catching up with them. You know, I think a great example of that was something like our last episode with the Boxing Day episode, the fact that certain things happen in terms of availability and all that kind of stuff. You know, I'm like, hey, Di, do you want to join us on this Boxing Day episode? And, you know, he's there the next day. It's great that we've got, you know, that group of people that you know love talking about movies in the same way uh, that we do and also enjoy you know the challenges and crazy stuff we throw at them oh yeah i mean let's face it we have expanded our network to a 
bunch of insane people. <laughs> Genuinely insane. <laughs> so yeah, that that's my biggest takeaway is definitely, like I said, the, you know, I, I'm very proud of all the work that, you know, these guys have been able to give us and just the friendships that we've formed with uh, you know all of our guests and you know like lifelong friendships in long a lot of ways you know like ways that outside of the podcast uh different projects that have been going on it's expanded into lots of different different ways in terms of, like people launching their own podcast dan and joe we've spoken to a lot you know we speak about how they launch their podcast by speaking to us etc i've been able to get involved in things like capes cows and masks you've guested on that show as well uh subtle plug <laughs> yeah uh, but then also we've got you know things like social media twitter there's all these people out there and it's great to then sometimes you know like reach out and be like oh yeah i've seen you 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 know you do a podcast we also do this podcast so there's still plenty of room to still get ourselves out there and i think that's what's great about this time now of the year is that we're able to sort of level up uh, in terms of you know our reach and hopefully the stuff we can do so we'll be talking a lot about that uh, as we go along uh, but in terms of how this year's, you know, the past year has gone, looking back at 2021, Craig, what was your favorite film that we watched or talked about on the podcast? Because as you said, you did did have a few uh, struggles and challenges throughout uh, 2021. It was worse than that. Half the films that we were given were specifically to piss me off in some capacity. <laughs> right, let's look at some of the things that we did have to talk about. We had to talk about the Fifty Shades franchise. We ended up talking about what like James James Bond, I, I've made it very clear I'm not a fan of those films. I understand that people are fans of them. I understand that it was a momentous occasion that we had to, you know, cover. I'm just not a fan of those films. And then Pudsey the Dog, the movie you made me go through. Like, what the hell? Why? Why is that ever a thing that we ever have to talk about in this podcast? And that was like the majority of this year. And then, and then. If it wasn't that, it was just films that people were hyping up. Oh, Craig, you'll enjoy this. You'll enjoy this. And no, I didn't. Right, Van Helsing, I did not enjoy. I'm sorry, guys. I did not enjoy that film. To me, that film was like an absolute weird crock of shite. And I'm just not dealing with it. So when I when you asked me then to go through this, and then also just if it wasn't that, it was then episodes where the films that we liked that we were discussing, I'd already seen. So in terms of actual genuine sort of surprises, there was nothing there. Thankfully, there was one episode, a grand one episode that provided to me a film I had not seen, probably did mean to see, and, you know, I'm glad I've now seen it, enjoyed it, which is Little Miss Sunshine. Mm. Like, that was a genuinely pleasant experience, even though, you know, it covered some weird aspects of, of familial relationships. But I did genuinely love that film. The fact that, it's a lot of people with their own twisted issues coming together to basically help facilitate and make make one little girl in that family happy. And it was charming, genuinely charming. Yeah, and it was a, a great example of, as we said, those deep dives into films that wouldn't necessarily always get covered when you got your big franchise stuff. And it was nice to focus just purely on that episode so you could focus on the individual performances, the different aspects of the story, the different themes that come about from it. So yeah, it was a great you know deep dive into that film. Uh, that was definitely one that stood out when I was sort of looking back at the list. And, and yeah, I think because we've had those Endgame specials, there's been a lot of times that we have been challenged to watch certain things or just franchises have had new reboots coming out, but their original versions are not great, etc. So a lot of your Mortal Kombat's or those kind of weird versus films that we looked at uh, but definitely for me I think like you said there was some stuff that I had seen before but 
revisiting actually like made them made me look at them in a new way so something like casino royale with the james bond franchise you know for myself i've always kind of been here and there with the franchise i've sort of loved or enjoyed the daniel craig stuff but you know i've never been you know one that sort of deep dived into the older films and i think to you know come away from that i could really appreciate casino royale's the way that it rebooted the series and also paid homage to to james bond's legacy as well um so i forgot how kind of how much of a nice balance that film strikes in terms of like its charm its action how great the visuals are how great daniel craig's performance is in that so yeah i was you know i kind of remembered that as more like oh it's just the gritty bond film where they play cards but i was like oh actually no there's like loads to really like enjoy and, and love about this so that was a great one to sort of revisit for me it is a surprising film in terms of how actually changing it is in terms of a fran- uh, in terms of a franchise like james bond so yeah, like Casino Royale is the one Bond film that I genuinely really like. Yeah, and I think for ones that I had never seen before, then, and this, you know, again, is very much based on our view and experience, and this one was just something I'd never seen before, didn't know what to expect, but I do have to give credit to Excalibur, because it was just so bonkers and weird, I did have to give it credit, because even though, again, we had things like our versus movies, and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and... Mortal Kombat there was a lot of ones that were kind of like old school films or had like a lot of like legacy or crazy dark moments etc but Excalibur was one which it's not in like the pop culture sphere so I just never seen anything about it really so I just went in blind and there was just all these crazy things with you know Helen Mirren and Liam Neeson etc and weird accents crazy flashy costumes i was like i just have to respect the kind of vibes of this movie and just how much it crams in and i think that was very much solidified by our conversation with die and matt as well so it was a a great deep dive into the history and mythology of king arthur which is a, a big reason that we did that episode yeah i mean i definitely will say that film was insane and it was great watching it just what i consider it like the mass sort well, not masterpiece, but the film I look back on and go, yeah, I'm glad I watched it. I just, <laughs> it, it just came out just like, that was a weird trip. I'm <laughs> unsure if I enjoyed this or not. That's probably why it was stood out to me. So in terms of like an enjoyable, a favorite experience, like I said, not one that was like, oh yeah, this is one, now one of my favorite films of all time, etc. But it is one that kind of, I just look back fondly thinking I wouldn't have watched that if it wasn't for this podcast. Yeah, sure. Uh, which is, I know I had a fun time with it. It was a fun deep dive, which, you know, hopefully we'll get some more of those crazy films leveled with your, <laughs> your kind of your Little Miss Sunshines uh, throughout. So uh, going into then actually the films that were released in 2021. So often we do talk about like older movies or if we're talking about uh, certain films from say a year ago, five years ago, 30 years ago, sometimes it's because a new version of that film is coming out or there's a new entry in the franchise. So we've talked, especially this year, sometimes about the return of cinema. You know, this time last year, actually, our episode was coming out talking about how the pandemic had affected cinemas and that kind of return what we expected to see in the year up ahead so probably would be quite interesting to revisit that now when we're talking about with dan and joe but throughout the year we've kind of like dropped in moments of like oh we've gone to the cinema we've been able to go things are coming out so after all of that craig you know what was your favorite 
movie going experience of 2021 what did you go see in the cinema that stood out as as your favorite film because obviously this is a time of year now which people are saying this is my top 10 list of of the year etc i mean it's obviously worth noting that while cinemas did come back and over time they basically implemented the sort of the continuing restrictions of just you know seating for a while and then we got essentially regular seating back and now we're in the stage where limited seating has returned again <laughs> even though that those things are you know happened and we were obviously eager to go and you know go to the cinema a lot i think it's safe to say that even so the the overall collection of films seen this year is still not at the the usual standard that we would try and meet so when i talk about my favorite film going experience in terms of what films i enjoy the most this is not this is obviously not a definitive uh, definitive pick because there's so much that probably would win out in certain situations. So basically just don't hold me to this. But in terms of what I was physically able to see this year, I think my favourite film would definitely be uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. For me, it was honestly just one of the most striking lead performances or technical lead performances in uh, Daniel Kaluuya. Mm. Just absolutely fantastic energy embodying the spirit just embodying the spirit of his character and just everything that the Black Pan, uh, the Black Panthers were just about mm. in just absolute striking performance, but also just gave him the amount, uh, right amount of times to, you know, in be interactive on a sort of intimate level. The fact that we see so much vulnerability and kindness from the character, which, let's face it, I don't think a lot of people were sort of expecting mm. uh, from this uh, from this biopic. Um, so it was very much just that I can't I can't think of any other films that I've seen this year that have given me because I'm a sucker for dramatic sort of monologues mm. and when you literally have so many demonstrations and so many like f- gatherings I don't know exactly what you officially call them where you just get to just base your entire performance on those speeches yeah that, that was gonna win out, win out for me yeah yeah I think when I think of like said the, you know different cinematic experiences you know i think definitely a lot of people would be taking away the likes of you know no way home and that kind of stuff and you know if people have listened to my thoughts on social media and other podcasts yeah, let's not get into this yeah, now david then we would know that i was not on the same boat with that um but one that did for me reach that level of kind of like being in a packed cinema and reach that level of excitement which i think we mentioned before is like shang chi um, for me, that was very much like, oh, we're back. You know, I'm sitting next to a, a stranger and everyone is enjoying this film and laughing. And we're all, in, you know, in invested in this like communal experience. We're following the Marvel story. It's something new. It's something different. There's loads of great action set pieces. So that's definitely like a highlight um, for me in terms of like, you know, go into the cinema sort of experiences. Um and then in terms of like one that was always a favorite throughout the year, uh, it was also Into the Heights because that was very much to me. Very Do you want much, to get the name right, David? Uh, into that, In the Heights. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Which was for me very much a celebration of the kind of stuff that we had missed during the pandemic and lockdowns and that kind of stuff. Because it was just going back to that idea of just something that was fun and vibrant and, you know, like had very catchy songs and 
just again, even if you were in like a small screen in it of it or a large screen in, it just had a general vibe that, you know, it was hard to hate on something like that when it's just got such a, a pure positive energy about it. So, so much of the film. Um, and I think it just, you know, touches on a, a lot of important issues, a lot of relatable elements to it. And I really enjoyed like the way that that film sort of rounded itself out, you know, by having the way that it sets itself up and the way that it starts you think you're getting one type of story and by the end it it goes well actually we're not saying to do the kind of disney-esque you know aim for the stars you know like you can do anything it's you know reminding people that actually sometimes the most important things are in the places that you come from and your community and and sort of encapsulating that and bringing those those dreams together with what you've got so i thought that was a really nice message and yeah it just really you know stuck with me for for the rest of like the summer in terms of an enjoyable film experience which i could be there tapping my feet and and really just sort of like not having that kind of cynical oh is this right is this you know the right character arc you know with something like a musical i think you can kind of like go in a bit more with less of those kind of expectations i guess i think that's fair i think for me in the heights was also quite high up it's just it's just because it's a film adaptation of a pre-existing stage musical mm. it's hard for me to to give all the a lot of that unique praise that you were giving is definitely based on just what the stage show itself would be so mm. that's why i have the sort of psychological divide in my head ironically you liked it for the sort of positive experience my other pick is suicide squad which is very much kill all of our protagonists as much as possible <laughs> yeah but also just exactly what exactly what was needed for that uh for that group because obviously the original completely dreadful whereas this it finally embodied what actually suicide squad is and needs to do the fact that the opening sequence alone just delivers on delivers on everything that was promised about this film mm. and then slowly built upon it throughout the rest and just the actual character interactions and just perform performances because it was obviously an incredibly stellar cast yeah it was a great time yeah yeah that one definitely like stands out for me as well and in, in similar to shang chi as well of you know being at the cinema having like an imax screen in uh you know like big action spectacle especially so yeah that and you know the fact is james gunn as well it's got the kooky crazy stuff that i'm going to enjoy like the big visuals etc I think one also worth mentioning, which we probably had very much a shared experience on, because again, it's technically 2021 from it coming out in America and sort of like late in December here, but just The King's Man. I know that this Mm -hmm. film has got a lot of negativity and criticism thrown at it, but I think that we collectively had a very different experience to a lot of people out there in which, again, we just took this film for what it was and just had such a fun time watching it just because of the not just the ludicrous crazy moments in which we can kind of like, you know, be laughing or smiling and look at each other like, oh my God, did they just do that? But also just, I think, you know, there was a lot of like shocking emotional moments in there. And I think a lot of people's criticism isn't, is that they don't feel that those belong together, that they felt that it was just a constant weird mishmash of different genres and like flipping between emotional stuff and crazy stuff. Some people even think that it's disrespectful to history and that kind of thing. But, you know, that's the, you know, 
I would tend to disagree, but for me, this is why, you know, this was one of my favorite films of the year because it was just such a fun time for me because I've enjoyed the first two Kingsman films and I felt that this carried the same energy, the same chaos and similar, I feel, if you're going into something like The Suicide Squad, you'd be like, right, I'm expecting James Gunn, balls to the wall, crazy stuff. And I think some people went into Kingsman expecting something different, whereas this give me exactly what I wanted and more. Can I just go on a little tangent about why i think people's criticisms of the king's man are just ludicrous yeah i prefer you to do it so i don't uh, get gunned on social media because <laughs> you're not on twitter so <laughs> reflect yeah. my thoughts craig <laughs> so a few things then one i think for the people who think it is disrespectful to history i get it up until a point what i would say is that there are films that are genuinely trying to tell more realistic depictions of history that come off as more offensive and I think those are the type of films that you should, you know, worry about in terms of picking out whether or not whether or not this is uh, whether or not this is worthy of hate, right? There are genuinely biopics there that do horrendous things in terms of history, and I think you should go after as opposed to this, which they are not claiming that seriously there is a secret organization trying to take down Britain just because of you know they took a guy's dad, right? That is a ludicrous situation. I think this obviously what the what the franchise itself was is generally trying to do is trying to usurp a lot of those sort of global politics aspects anyway and just look at like the absolute ludicrous things that you know other franchises try to do whilst also embracing a lot of the good qualities of that. So I think that argument is utter shit. What I would say for anyone who doesn't like the idea of mishmashing genres can I point out to you that some of the most critically acclaimed films out there do this, right? Look at a lot of children's media that people hold up as like as genuine bastions of animation, right? Look at The Lion King. You have the death of Mufasa, which many people consider to be incredibly scarring and something that their children need a lot of counselling to kind of deal with, followed directly by hyenas then trying to kill Simba so he runs off, right? another dark aspect, is then followed by Scar taking power and then taking over and it's taking over Pride Rock, right? Dark aspect again. Followed by Hakuna Matata and Timon and Pumbaa. That is obviously a mishmashing of genres. The reason you do that is because when you, because if you only have a film that has a consistent tone throughout in, uh, in terms of that, you don't, you don't get any of the peaks and valleys in terms of enjoyment. It is because the film is so happy-go-lucky that the that the shock of of the genuine drama comes out of nowhere. That's what makes it more powerful. And if that's the tone that then continues throughout, it's a miserable experience, right? Another film that I, I really liked of this year, but I, I said for me, is hampered very much by the ending, which is needed, but there was no real way they could marry these two concepts, was Don't Look Up. Mm. That film was very much a situation of, we're going to be talking about these devastating consequences in a very light-hearted tone until right at the end where it's just going, well, we are just all going to die. Spoiler for anyone, but like, yeah. this is a film about, this is a film paralleling climate change, right? This is basically what's going to happen, I think. If, you, if you're like, spoiler of the idea of, you know, we're all going to die, then you're a naive prick. <laughs> um, I just find that ludicrous. The, the thing is, as well, I, I obviously know it's not a perfect film, but it was a film that we came out and just thought, we don't have any immediate criticism. We don't. Un I don't understand what people's big gripes with this film would be, and if it is true, it's just oh, it's a mishmashing of genres. Just well, yeah. That's so are the original films, if you think about it. It's just to a lesser degree, 
or if it's just this disrespectful to history, watch American Sniper and tell me that isn't, and tell me you could get away with that more. Just, it, it's bonkers. Yeah, and I think similar things have happened with other films where people have said, oh, that the Kingsman has gone, well, one minute it wants to be this happy-go-lucky spy film, the next minute it wants to be this kind of like World War One serious uh, look at history, which again, look at Wonder Woman, that does very much the same thing. It wants to be this kind of like Greek goddess kind of like superhero movie, but then also wants to show the, you know, true dark elements of of the war. So, you know, the, the Kingsman works on a similar level. I never felt like it was just kind of copying Wonder Woman, but I felt they had the same appeal of going, yeah, things can somewhat be, you know, sometimes be crazy and ludicrous and bonkers, but sometimes we also have to come down to reality and go, this is actually the reality of the situation. And I think, again, like you with Lion King, etc., I would point to something like the Titanic, you know, film, you know, like that's very much, you know, one minute it's all like lovey-dovey and like, oh, I'm swept off my feet. And and then the next minute's kind of like take in a tragedy. And it very much does kind of like make it a, a spectacle, a big like disaster movie, which, you know, realistically, it's actually like a horrific moment in in human history. So, you know, we have a big history within movies of taking certain genres or moments in history and kind of mixing up the the tone and feel of that and i think sometimes it is okay to kind of go you can have several of those different beats within a movie because it can just work on different levels you know the what we were talking about in terms of those shocking left turn moments similar in iron man 3 which again i know loads of people have a problem with that film but that's why that film stood out more to me that it had the balls to kind of go you think it's this type of film and then suddenly we're just gonna like take this weird left turn and go oh this isn't what i expected and i always have to respect something which takes a a risk like that rather than just being exactly what you expected which is what the experience was with a lot of films this year i think but narratively as well you've got to think about the reason why kingsman did it they made it very clear that the reason they wanted the spy espionage sort of stuff was very much to avoid the tragedies of war. Mm-hmm. So when, you know, they first do it and then it turns out that that didn't work, you then have to show the tragedies of war that they were trying to prevent. Yeah. And that's what the film then does. Yeah. And, and again, I can't throw too much shade at something which, has, you know, is just there going, yeah, you know, this secret organization which operated in World War One was founded by like a nanny and like a... Uh, African British uh, butler, uh, you know, using a network of other nannies and butlers to find out information from these super important people. And I'm like, I've got to respect that, and also the fact that the main, you know, King's man uh, himself is somebody who's opposed to war, you know, and and you know, fighting and ki- taking people's lives. I'm like, you've got to respect the commentary and the you know the parallels and the messages that they're trying to put in there. You know, one of my big you know, favorite lines from that film was, you know, in order to uh, keep my promise to your mother, I must now break, you know, the promise I made to myself. So it's a nice film that has these elements of like promises and, you know, what are your morals and your beliefs, which again, you know, I makes it so that I can sort of see those as the strengths as opposed to some of the flaws that it does have. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so definitely a fun time, which we had at the cinema watching that one, uh, even though a lot of people might disagree. Uh, let Those us people know. can suck it. <laughs> <laughs> let us know uh, at home, you know, over on the socials. We'll be putting up some posts. What were your favorite films of 2021? Uh, be careful if uh, <laughs> The King's Mum wasn't <laughs> uh, one of your favorite films. 
So uh, this will be a good chance now to go into our look back at the movie vault. So it's a new year and it's a chance to look back at the films that we've put into our vault of movies. Every time we discuss a franchise or a topic or a specific film, we always say at the end of those episodes, does this deserve to be encapsulated for all time to be remembered for this certain aspect? You know, should it be remembered as you know, one of the famous sci-fi films or, um, you know, a famous bad Valentine's Day movie as we've had in the past. So this has given us a chance to reflect on our list of films that we've put in there. Maybe some of them we were a bit too heavy-handed. Maybe we put too many films in when we were kind of being broad about the topic um, and sort of remembering what we've put in there and, and why why we put it in. So, uh, yeah, Craig, how are you feeling going into this, you know, about you know making the definitive movie movie vault list i think we already know we're gonna fight <laughs> like we had a discussion about we had a meeting last night to, to discuss how we go about this and there are some facets which i think the end of our discussions basically presented with well if we can't agree on it here we might as well do it on the podcast bring that drama into <laughs> into the episode basically it's just gonna be me telling you why david's wrong a lot <laughs> so uh yeah, we're giving uh, this chance now for the film god who uh, we choose all of these movies for, for him to uh, have a bit of a tidy up down in that well so uh, he can know officially what's what's in the vault, what he needs to watch. So uh, we've got our list of movies. This is going to be your chance now to refresh yourself at home in terms of what is on our list. By the end of this, we will have our definitive list going into 2022 so we know what else that we need to discuss or should be added to that list in the future. So we go back all the way to when we started Well Good Movies uh, just over two and a half years ago. We started by talking about the man himself, Steven Spielberg, um, and we had just a kind of a broad conversation. We did sort of pick like standout Spielberg movies for ourselves, but it wasn't to the same degree as we said where we'd be talking about things like Van Helsing in which we purely focused on those uh, films themselves. So the ones that we took away from that conversation were Jurassic Park, Raiders of the Last Ark, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So to me, I think, you know, we've talked, as you said, you know, off air about like franchises and stuff like that, um, and whether we should have like that one film that represents a franchise in that episode. Laura picked Temple of Doom, which is her favorite one, which is very much a controversial choice because a lot of people feel that out of the first three that that's maybe the weakest or it's the most crazy um and i think that that's why when you do look at film history that you know something like raiders of the lost ark is so famous you know i I think it is a nice a nice element to have that kind of original trilogy there as the first films of the the movie vault uh for me i think we just didn't talk enough about jurassic park to kind of keep it in there um, but I could also understand that it's such a famous movie. But I think our audiences at home would appreciate us maybe talking about Jurassic Park in the future. But I don't. I know you had maybe disagreements on that element of just taking something out to bring it back in later on. I mean, for me, given this was the first episode that we did this, mm. I just think that the episode itself had to go through a lot of shaping. And for me, given that that was a very that was a very successful episode for us. Mm. I would want to honour that episode in terms of everything that we physically did. I think, let's face it, we've discussed films already that have gone in and basically talked about it in a way of justifying going back in. I don't think it's ludicrous to suggest we're probably going to have some form of dinosaur episode at some point in the future in which Jurassic Park 
will be discussed mm. properly and sort of like honored as to why it's physically there not to mention the fact that however how many other jurassic park films are there now yeah. there's like what five of us that we have to discuss mm. i think it's safe to say they they will be discussed alongside it so I, I just don't think it's worthwhile taking out. Our discussion yesterday was whether or not we removed any of the Indiana Jones films. Mm. And it's nice to see that <laughs> on the recording now, you've gone, no, I think it's, we, we keep it there, which is basically, this is the argument I don't want to have. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I've had some time to think it over. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Keep them in as a three. Because like I said, I think, I, I think out of it, you could only say, right, only keep Raiders of the Lost Ark. But again, you know, we were talking about Temple of Doom in that situation, and you wouldn't just want to have two, you know, complete the trilogy, isn't it? But also, it's just what Steven Spielberg's known for. He's known for having one of the more successful sort of trilo- uh, trilogies. When Because let's face it, in the year in which these films came out, trilogies were not a big, not that big a thing, mm. or at least to the extent that they are now. Right, because yeah. so, and I, I think for people to be so fond of in different in different ways of these three films, I think it was quite nice for a Spielberg episode to have his most iconic film, and also his most iconic franchise. So that's why I think they're representative of Spielberg. Honestly, I'm surprised nobody's come after us for not putting things in like E.T. Yeah, well, that's the thing we talked about things like E.T. Jaws, you know, and again, I think at that time we said, you know, these are too big of films to sort of just like chuck in now because we could have filmed you know we could have put about 10 12 films into the movie while talking about spielberg but i guess we did talk a lot about the charm and the cinematic nature that spielberg brings to his films which jurassic park does encapsulate and like you said there's a lot of room for us to talk about dinosaur films in the future so yeah you're definitely right in that sense probably the caveat i would add is that maybe the first three indiana jones films would just be the top of that list because they were more of a focus in that episode so jurassic park will be like our fourth (laughs) film added to the movie vault list so we know that uh those four remain in there uh but maybe just reorder them in terms of listing in terms of when we discuss them Right, let me get this straight. Part of this episode is just, oh, it's not just what films are in there, it's the order. I don't give a damn about the order. We don't need to discuss the syntax of this list, right? Going into this, I said to you, what order are we going to do these films? Are we going to do them in the order in which they went in or alphabetically? Hence my way of saying, I don't care what order they presented within the actual vault itself, right? You could have literally swapped the order of those films on this list anyway, and I wouldn't have given a damn. I wouldn't have noticed that I'm not like beholden to the order if people want to look at them in a different order but this is just showing my uh kind of <laughs> pedantic side in which I'm just like I need to put that somewhere else on this list for my own sanity basically listeners I'm sorry that David's <laughs> wasting your time with this <laughs> hey when we read it out every time people understand more now they're like oh why did they start with Jurassic Park then have three films oh it's so much neat to have in three films then the Jurassic Park film. oh Jesus Christ you're not gonna like what's coming up then <laughs> so um we then uh talked about Joker when we were talking about like Batman films and the legacy of Joker uh we also talked about horror films in our Halloween episode talking about classic uh movie monsters uh, so in those episodes, we had The Man Who Laughs, The Dark Knight, Batman, Mask of the Phantasm, Frankenstein, and Creature from the Black Lagoon. Now, I think a lot of these are standouts, and I think that we did speak about them all specifically quite a lot. So I don't think there would be any reason to kind of like revisit them. No. Obviously, like I said, if we are talking about franchises, as if somebody did want to put the Dark Knight trilogy in there. Don't. But again, you wouldn't want to just remove it just to talk about that trilogy. And like you said, with Jurassic Park, you can easily just be like, I want to talk about the Dark Knight Rises and why that might be better or worse 
than that film that's already in in the vault. So you know, I re you know I watched the Man Who Laughs myself when we kind of revisited films from the vault, um, and I thought that it was very much a worthy entry within in the vault. So I think that that for me definitely happily stay and I, I think all of them I think that you know Mask of the Phantasm is a staple of animation and Frankenstein you know a classic Hollywood film uh, and same with Creature of the Black Lagoon you know Black Lagoon so I'm, I'm happy for all of those to stay in well I mean Frankenstein and Creature from the Black Lagoon if we remove them we completely negated the entire point of the episode that we did because that was one of our first we all take a film each yeah exactly and if we turn around and basically go your opinion no longer matters <laughs> bye yeah so also if anyone is stupid enough to come to us and say yeah we think that we should talk about the entire christopher nolan batman trilogy because i want to argue that instead of dark knight dark knight rises should go in (laughs) what happened in your life (laughs) hot take hot take definitely i'm also not gonna lie i forgot that you rewatched the man who laughs yeah well that was the episode which you i watched Groundhog groundhog day yeah so uh, we'll get to that one soon. So we then had more of a discussion-based episode when we talked about musicals, so obviously a very big, broad topic, and a film that did come up much, much later on, which recently. Uh, so we added to the movie vault that time My Fair Lady, Mary Poppins, Rocky Horror Picture Show. After that episode, we had Christmas movies. Like you said with the Halloween one, Craig, we all chose a Christmas movie that was like a favorite of ours or kind of summed up the festive period. So with that one we had it's a wonderful life muppets christmas carol elf and home alone so i think for the christmas ones i think it's the same thing i think because they were such special christmas movies i think all four of them are like big yearly watches for people i would be happy to keep all of those in i also don't want to watch more christmas films (laughs) well there's still plenty out there but (laughs) yeah i i don't see any need we'd have to like revisit those ones as we've discussed mary poppins is definitely now cemented her place in the movie vault because we've discussed it with boxing day movies and it is a good reflection of musicals at the yeah same congratulations time. you're moaning about the lack of discussion about that film is finally over <laughs> uh and i think yeah for me the the big takeaway from that episode was you know you know we asked people like kiara what's a big standout for you and rocky horror picture show was one that stood out so i just don't know if my fair lady just hasn't had any kind of attention to really warranted being there what was the rationale of it going in it very much was just kind of the most famous you know what are the most famous musicals or what do you think if somebody was to say here's the best of musical movies this is what you point to but it was very much something that was discussed at the stage of the movie vault but wasn't brought up throughout the episode so i just not sure if we kind of give over like you said like uh, with that question have we given a clear enough reason why it's in there i think rocky horror picture show we very much talked about is such a fun time it's created such a legacy people going to see it in costume at the cinema my fair lady was very much just like like you said with something like oh it's it's like jaws it's just a famous musical it's it's up there with the greats we have to put it just in for a that reason. famous musical <laughs> careful with your wording boy <laughs> well i just paraphrasing as to what that discussion was maybe i'd have to like revisit the entire episode but it was very much talked about at the movie vault stage so i just don't know if we've uh, really given it the attention it deserves to kind of like say yeah that deserves this place in the movie vault because we didn't really discuss it to be fair i think what didn't help was the entire musical episode very much focused on a particular era of musicals mm. and then this this film does not necessarily match the era that we were discussing no so if you were looking for something to cull, not on the basis of its quality, on the basis no. of a discussion, 
then yeah, I would probably nominate it just for another chance. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, to be clear, I don't think anything I'll be discussing in this list would be something that I think quality oh, something, shouldn't be there. But <laughs> Some things for me, I will. There's one particular film that if I can argue to get it out, I will get it out. I think obviously there's still the element of if somebody has wanted to go in and they've convinced at least one of us, then I think we should respect that. But we'll see. We'll get on to it. We then talked about Star Trek movies because uh, we had Rise of Skywalker, which was coming out, uh, directed by J.J. Abrams, who also had directed two Star Trek films. So we used that as a chance to talk about the two films he directed, but it was also a celebration of the Star Trek franchise as a whole. These were two films that Di and Matt saw brought up um, and felt that they were the best representations of Star Trek. So do we kind of, you know, stay true to that, I guess, in the me personally, I haven't got much history with the older Star Trek films, so I can't really say that doesn't deserve to be there because I have not seen it. And we sort of asked that question of them, what is the best representation yeah, of Star so Trek? Yeah, so this is a different thing, right? Obviously, mm. of that, Star Trek 2009 stays in. Yeah. However, the context of the discussion was very different in that the entire point of comparing the J.J. Abrams Star Trek films mm. was specifically to look at how they compared to what Star Trek is actually meant to be. So it's not just a case of, you know, what do we think of mu- uh, movie musicals? What would we consider the pinnacle? Yeah. It's exactly how do these things compare to these standards and what are the standards that you're holding these films up to? So realistically, even though there wasn't a direct conversation about those particular films, mm. what those films represented and how they do, especially when we had to, look, especially with Wrath of Khan, because you have to make direct comparisons to Into Darkness, mm. given that it's so that film is so reliant on what Wrath of Khan does. Yeah. But I think if that was the discussion and that was the lens that it was held through, mm. I think we have to leave the films there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, The Undiscovered Country was definitely the standout there in terms of like Dai saying, this is what Star Trek is, is the kind of, you know, like exploring new world. So Wrath of Khan did stand out to me in that sense. But yeah, I think you're right with the Into Darkness comparison. So happy to keep those in. We then get to like an interesting point then, which we kind of, similar to this, we did a kind of, bonus episode we were looking at movies of the decade because we were going into 2020 oh how naive we were (laughs) and uh we were sort of celebrating the films of the past 10 years going back to 2010 so here we kind of threw in a lot of films and you've already Uh, taken some out (laughs) well this is why i'm opposed to this particular section you already (laughs) removed some of the things that we added this was me like going back and like adding everything that i remember which we especially put in you know, so like, you know, into the movie world this week goes Jurassic Park, Raiders of the Lost Ark. So I put in all of those films when I made this list. When I got to the movies of the decade one, I very much was like, okay, right. And everything down. And I was like, right, there was some here which we just didn't talk about at all. And we I just listed off at some point. So I'm just putting in the ones of which we specifically mentioned. But uh, feel free if you want to bring up some ones that you know that were mentioned, you're ha- unhappy of a uh, Oh No, I don't care. I'm just saying... <laughs> If you've already edited this part saying, right, what else do we need to remove? No, you <laughs> left them in for a reason. They were justified films. Yeah. So we're just going to quickly breeze past the films that are staying in the vault. <laughs> well, I didn't know if there was just anything in terms of like time or context has changed like our opinion of it. but Probably not, to be honest. The fil- yeah. Right. The films in question, everyone, are <laughs> Whiplash, Mad Max Fury Road, Wonder Woman, Black Panther, Captain America's... Civil War, Avengers, Avengers Age of Ultron, Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Endgame. Those ones are kind of coupled. I think I've put those together for ease, but they kind of go in with the Wanda and Vision yes. episode discussion that we had there. 
yeah, I think yeah, it's it's hard to remove any of those, frankly, isn't it? So I mean, if you um, if you make me justify again why Whiplash <laughs> oh, stays no, in, no, 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 I just meant was there anything that you were upset that's gone? But yeah, probably not the best time to be discussing films that should be in there when we're trying to cull some. So uh, so then we also had our specific Star Wars episode discussion where we were talking about uh, like our rankings of the franchise. So we had two big Star Wars fans with Kyle and Kieran, and we were talking about like our personal rankings of. You know, what was our top film, what was our worst, etc. And our takeaway from that was that, you know, obviously, again, like Indiana Jones, the original three had to go in, New Hope, Empire, and Return of the Jedi. And then two standouts for, uh, for all of us were Revenge of the Sith and Force Awakens in all agreeing that those are just kind of very much represent the best of those eras. So I think, again, it's hard to kind of argue against any Oh, of that, that is not what you were saying last <laughs> night, kiddo. You were ready for one of these films to go. And I was I was ready on the on I was the saying mold- that as an example. I said, for example, I wasn't say, specifically saying, oh, that film, I want to go. I was you saying, said, and I quote, I think we should get rid of Revenge of the Sith for cleanliness. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I said it exactly like that, but my point was that do we just keep in A New Hope Empire and Return the Jedi for the, like you said, the cleanliness of that trilogy being in there? No. But but ultimately, if you're going to pick a best of the prequels in the future, then Revenge of the Sith would just end up being in there again anyway, wouldn't it? So I just think it is stupid for us to go over this particular conversation. If four people all agree, after extensive conversations of that film, even... All of us ranked the films, right? And we got to Revenge of the Sith and specifically talked about the things that we liked about it. If yeah. we all agree on that. Yeah. Basically, I think it's just would be, you know, in the future, if anybody wants to recommend, you know, a Star Wars film again, it'd be nice to deep dive into one of them. Yeah, but um, fine. But also note that there are films which are still relatively controversial within the mm. Star Wars canon. And I think some people probably would, you know, like myself, and <laughs> yeah. not getting what I consider to be the second best Star Wars film, yeah. getting into the vault. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of sacrifices that have to be made so yeah we'll keep all of that there possibly yeah this could be going into some uh, tricky territory now so uh, again staying in the franchise world we've talked about wonder woman as one of the standout dc films when we said about movies of the decade we then had a dc sort of look back because of birds of prey coming out and um, when we discussed sort of each film with uh, kellen and jake hart so the ones that came from that one were man of steel and shazam and i think uh, it's tr- tricky for us to say about feelings on those because again that was so much that those were favorites of our guests um or maybe just because it was like well wonder woman's already there what else do we put in so i know i know for you craig the shazam was a, a surprise when you looked back at the list it was more just because of just allowing more than one film in i mean of those two films that are in shazam is the one i prefer it's more i'm surprised that other people just sort of allowed it in yeah because i know that there was there was also sentiment of does Aquaman go in and I was very much against very much against it yeah see that's the thing on reflection you know if if it's making a definitive list and we've already got man you know say Man of Steel and Wonder Woman in there to represent you know DC the fact we've also had Justice League the Snyder Cut come out maybe that sort of changed people's lens a bit but I don't know, you know, as much as, yeah, I do enjoy Shazam and stuff like that, would I say that it's something that needs to be encapsulated for all time and needs to be made famous? I just think if you've got something like Man of Steel in there, which I, again, can appreciate and I myself don't particularly find it a great film, 
but I can respect that it does a lot for the the theme, the Hans Zimmer element. It brings in a lot of elements that are carried throughout the Snyder films. Um, it's very much a lot of people's favorite iteration of Superman. So I, you know, I'd be happy to keep something like that in because I can appreciate the people have a lot of connections to that. But I don't know. I just still don't feel that there's much like we've talked about Wonder Woman so many times. We're like, this is why this is important. We brought it up in that Kingsman conversation, but I just don't feel that Shazam has got much of a legacy still. It's just such a, it just kind of came and went and we're excited about the sequel. Sure. But I still don't know whether it deserves this kind of like, especially after all those films we mentioned, I'm like, "Eh," you know. See, for me, I think it'll have a much, because let's face it, it had a bit of a crammed conversation. I think realistically, once the, once the sequel comes out and because it's also relatively connected to Black Adam, right? Yeah. See, once I think those films come out, I think it has a much better chance of, you know, actually discussing the merits of the character and the representation. Mm. Well, do we cut it now and then see how well it stands up at that time? Yeah, sure. If people are unhappy about it, then <laughs> we'll bring it up. Just... Mm. I, I would I would go for, like, I think we've we've done to taking the one out so far, but I think the fact that we got Wonder Woman in the... Yeah, yeah, sure, some people could say that there's... Marvel has got a lot of representation already, but we're talking about that as in, like, the Avengers franchise was so successful as itself. I mean, but... spoiler, guys, Marvel in... <laughs> on in general make better movies yeah so i yeah i'd say for now shazam unfortunately i just don't feel that its legacy is as sort of held up enough for i mean to, not to, to mention stay. the fact that we also still have not officially discussed films like uh birds of prey um and technically suicide squad yeah so a lot of people's lists would have changed as well yeah. uh so Right, this is kind of an interesting era which we have here now. So uh, we went then, this is where we started to get into bad territory with a uh, bad quality of films. We discussed bad Valentine's Day movies or bad rom-coms. So we have Good Luck Chuck. We then revisited our sort of like monster movie uh, days where we went to the Invisible Man films because the new version of that was coming out. So we had the Invisible Man, the Invisible Man's Revenge um, and then we sort of went into the DreamWorks films, so quite a few there. So I'll uh, focus first on a uh, good luck check along with the two Invisible Man films. What, what do you think of those, Greg? Looking back now, our rationale <laughs> for putting good luck Chuck in was essentially came down to we knew this era of films was going to be bad. Mm. Pretty much the entire audience sort of agrees. It doesn't have any definitive quality apart from just sort of. You know, popcorn, oh, isn't this cutesy stuff? Mm. Good luck, Chuck, mm. from what we discussed, had a lot of relatively horrendous elements to it. Mm. And we only put it in because it was the least bad of the three films that we discussed. Now, at the time, we were like, well, we've got to put something in, because I think mm. at that point, every single episode, a, a film went in. Yeah, true. So we were like, we have to put in one of these, you know, flaming turds. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to miss it. Uh, well, to be fair, Lucy would... might. <laughs> Do I care? <laughs> I don't know. I think the fact that we have talked about things like said, like Van Helsing and Pudsey the dog. I just think that this, like you said, is the least offensive of them. But I do kind of just enjoy it as like, this is representing terrible rom-coms. Because it does, like you said while maybe it is the least offensive of a bad bunch, I still just think that it does represent that kind of like era in quite an effective way. And it kind of like pinpoints that point in the list in which you go, whoa, why is this here? And it kind of like 
works in that way that like it represents that time in which we did start to go into like the more crazy bad films if you were going to make that argument for some of the things coming up we are not getting along fine keep it there invisible man uh so obviously with these ones i think invisible man's revenge was your choice in that one so do you like is that still held up for you because i know invisible man for me definitely has I barely remember the film. <laughs> look, at look. if it was a case of at the time we discussed it and it goes in, I think I would have gotten enough out of it. Mm. But yeah, I mean, given how frequent you make me go through films like this, I'm not sure exactly how memorable this is. Mm. But at the same time, if I, if I said it goes in, there's going to be a reason for it. Yeah, well, I'm just trying to think now of your rationale. Like I said, were we like adding more in at that time, like with the Valentines of like, you know, how many of these do we want to put in but for me the takeaway from that or the thing that i remember was that original movie and for the legacy they created but things like the invisible woman and the other films uh, because the one i focused on was like the sequel to the invisible man but it was just still a generic invisible man movie so i'm like to me it does seem like just that was the standout the original movie and that's the one that should should stay there for that i'm not sure if the revenge one just had a big enough legacy and i don't know if i can just remember your justification for it enough to say yeah that that definitely should stay there because i think you were just i think your points were just basically that it worked quite effectively as a sequel and as a visible man film but i just not sure if there's enough of that like legacy this is why it's it needs to be in there kind of thing this is difficult territory given some (laughs) i mean given the fact we've got relatively recent films in this vault i'm not sure how much you can rely on the idea no but i think because the conversation with that one was a legacy of the invisible man films i think especially watching that invisible man film i'm like the new one i'm like i think it's like right i can see that this is a very different invisible man film and that original is very much of that era of the monster movies all right fine um i'm looking for, i'm looking forward to assassinating something that you worked on <laughs> okay so uh we then had a discussion with nia uh talking all about uh dreamworks films we also had our sort of transition into the pandemic times where we were talking to dan about uh good films to watch uh when in lockdown etc because it was like our last ever podcast recorded uh in uh, our old studio so the films that we had there were Kung Fu Panda, How to Train Your Dragon, Shrek, Shrek 2. Uh, caveat there, I think that Shrek was maybe added in the Shrek episode with Sam Summers, but I've just put it to you, obviously, for synergy. Uh, the Prince of Egypt. And then when we were talking about films to watch during lockdown, we had Monty Python and the Holy Grail, Groundhog Day, and Hot Fuzz. Yeah, any standouts from that one, Craig? Do you think they all deserve their place? Is there anything that you just think, like, I'm not sure if that is really justified or time has not aged well on that. I think for me, obviously, the Shrek, two Shrek films are very much stood up. We've talked about Prince of Egypt quite a few times. So I, think... I don't know. I don't think we've discussed Shrek enough on this entire podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, for me, those three definitely hold up. Um, and wait, I... wait, say the three again? Shrek, Shrek 2, The Prince of Egypt, we talked about enough, which I think justifies their position in the vault. So you're going after Kung Fu, Kung Fu Panda? I'm not going after any of them. I'm just saying that those three I just know straight away are fine. Um, I, I know that uh, Nia picked out How to Train Your Dragon specifically. Um, I think I might have picked out Kung Fu Panda. So, yeah, and, you know, we've talked about, I think even you, was it Steven Spielberg? I think that's like one of his, oh, no, John Favreau, wasn't it? Uh, Kung Fu Panda was like one of his favorite films. Yeah. So, you know, it could stay in there for that alone as well. And 
So again, I'll, I'll put this one to you. Is there anything there that you just feel? I mean, of the dream works, I think given the fact that we literally had somebody who had done a lot of extensive work for mm. them. Yeah. I think at the point where she was able to, you know, just justify and accept their placement there, just yeah, let's not poke the bear too much. No, and the fact that we talked somebody bear. like <laughs> we talked somebody like Sam Summers, who's highlighted bizarre ones like the B movie and stuff like that. So there's definitely a differentiation between good and bad DreamWorks. So it's yeah. good that we got the good DreamWorks in there. For me, the more interesting conversation is going to be about uh, these picks of just th- uh, films to go in. Yeah, because did we all extensively talk about them? The lockdown ones, you mean? Yeah. So, yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it? I think definitely Groundhog Day now has, because we talked about it specifically in that uh, revisiting the Vault episode. Hot Fuzz has also come up periodically throughout a number of our discussions, so I think on that we leave it alone. Yeah. Um, I'm coming for you, Monty <laughs> Python. <laughs> well, you know, maybe it'll go back to that franchise thing. Maybe I'm happy for it to go if it means all the, the, the other two go in at some point with it. But, no, I got to admit, I think because Groundhog Day and Hot Fuzz is, like... Well, I suppose Grand Ode Day is kind of an older film, very much to Hot Fuzz, but Monty Python does very much stand out in that list. It doesn't really belong in the same way. I think we, because we were saying about films you can enjoy during lockdown, and I, I, just, I don't even think that Monty Python was a good pick for like, what does that have to do with lockdown really? So, whereas Hot Fuzz and Grand Ode Day was even links in with the whole elements of policing and, and the repetitive nature that lockdown brought on. Playing devil's advocate, I think mm. it was very much, we were all frankly a bit scared and a bit sad about everything going on yeah and i think we had to make justifications for what films could we happily re uh happily re-watch mm. to get through things yeah i said and like who said what again because i think dan said groundhog day you said hot fuzz i said monty python yeah I, I can remember Dan sort of justifying Groundhog Day for him. I can remember me about Hot Fuzz. Yeah. and I can't remember a thing you said. No, and to be honest, I brought up the Kingsman films as well. So I think that even those would have maybe been more justified. So yeah, I'm happy actually to take it out, to yeah. be honest. And that's not my bias if I don't remember much of what you say. <laughs> yeah. Actually, no, that's a lie. I remember a lot of what you say. It's usually <laughs> the other way around. <laughs> So we then discussed uh, film, like we kind of had a few like bonus episodes as we were going into the pandemic and lockdowns, etc. So we had a revisit of like some of our favorite moments. And we also talked about films that we felt deserved to go in the movie vault based on discussions we had had, which on reflection after we'd seen those new films that had come out, which were connected to them. Uh, and also ones that maybe we like felt that were missed out during certain discussions. So the two takeaways there, I believe, were Joker, Sweeney Todd, Zootopia, Knives Out, and Parasite were the films that we felt were all ones that like deserve to go in just from being like favorites of that year or films that were connected to stuff that we had talked about. Um, I think Joker is definitely justified still because we had that entire episode discussion about it. Um, the entire point of that episode was preluding to what the film was. And then you basically said we never actually had a chance to discuss how we thought the film was. Yeah. We did. It goes in. Sweeney Todd was, you thought it should have gone in from the musicals. Didn't say during the musicals, but hey ho. Yeah. But based on the discussion, thought it should go in. So we put it in. Um, Zootopia, what was the context behind that? I think that was maybe one that we had sort of talked about during the movies of the decade, but I just didn't list when we were talking about things that went in from that. So we kind of added it in as a kind of like, oh, we've And yet you didn't in. think to randomly slip it in when you were just taking out other films. <laughs> yeah. Bear in mind, I think some of the films you took out... because was- I specifically said in that episode, 
going in yeah. this week is Zootopia. Because Bear in mind as well, listeners, one of the things he took out was Toy Story 3. Mm. Oh, yeah. Controversial. Yeah. <laughs> just want, I just want people to know that. <laughs> Knives Out, I think it's, we literally did a mm. one-year anniversary yeah, episode yeah. for the thing. It stays in. Parasite stays in for this crucial reason. We basically talked about what films uh, we've watched they, uh, should necessarily go in and a big uh, big standout. We talked about why is a big band standout. But also, I want to stand up to racists who are saying, why did this win an American Film Award? Because it's a good film, you dipshits. Yeah. Also, we had an Oscars special as well, yeah. so that it's justified in that sense. So, yeah, I think everything there is fine. We then went on to, you know, going into lockdown, we wanted to talk about some fun, like, easy musical kind of stuff so we talked about the muppet movies so uh from that one we talked with joe and we put in the muppet movie the muppets take manhattan and muppet treasure island i assume from the conversations we've already had the fact that mm, the muppet movie wasn't we all had like specific films that we talked about i believe i believe muppet movie wasn't one of those because i think that joe had muppets take manhattan you had muppets in space and i had muppets muppets most wanted yeah but I, I still did watch the Muppet movie in preparation for that episode. And we just talked about like its legacy and how it's influenced the other films. And Muppet Treasure Island wasn't one that we talked about. But again, it was kind of the revenge of the Sith thing of like, this is still one of the best Muppet movies, even though we've not even actually then, I think it. Even though we didn't have a deep dive on either of those films, I think they just we justified why they go in specifically from the basis of that conversation. Yeah. I think it's just fun as well that we have the Muppet movie, Muppets Take Manhattan, Muppet Christmas Carol, and Muppet Treasure Island in the movie vault. When, like we said, a lot of DC and Batman films are not in there. But hey, we haven't done a Batman episode yet. Give so it time, to be fair. Don't, don't I, at us. <laughs> I also think that... What year did it come out? 2010 Muppet movie? Uh, this is the original, like the Jim No, Wilson. no, as in as in the the reboot. Yeah. Oh, what yeah. year did that it come was out? Some, yeah, like it was like 2010. 2011, something. Like I also think that would be worthy of going in one day, but I'm not going to advocate for it here. So there are, there are times where films can just come up like that. Right? Yeah. Right. Interesting again. Uh, so here... No, it's not interesting again. <laughs> well, it is once you go down a bit. So uh, we then had our, film, uh, our discussion of films that we felt that each other should see, that we had talked about to each other before. So Craig, give me Rent. I give you Tron Legacy. I think the justification for that was quite made quite a lot of sense that like we both felt that you felt that the legacy of Rent still came through with the stage show, etc. So it still felt that like if it made me want to go see the stage show, then it should, the film did its job in that sense. Also, I think given the fact that last night we watched Tick, Tick, Boom, which is yeah. about the make the creator of Rent and his story. And very much, I think David is sort of one round more mm. to the style of what Rent is based on the life of the writer himself and yeah. exactly the sort of things he's done. I think it's a lot harder for David to argue now yeah. that Rent should go out. And also like there's not a, st a filmed stage version. So without that film, I wouldn't have had the context of what happens in Tick, Tick, Boom. So yeah, you know, time has, has aided that choice. Um, yeah. And I think it was the same with like Tron Legacy of like revisiting the original Tron film. Then we went to the era, which was defined by Adam Sandler in which Big Daddy and Happy Gilmore went in Again, this is difficult, isn't it? Because, like, you know, this was, like, favourites picked by Shelley. I definitely agree. Like, Big Daddy, I can't really remember much. I, you know, I've seen Happy Gilmore, you know. 
I argued. I argued heavily for Happy Gilmore to go in. Oh, okay, was it? Look, let's be fair, everyone. <laughs> I had a miserable time during these specials. <laughs> the fact that I ended up writing an, a specific <laughs> monologue about my hatred of Jack and Jill, I think you throw me a bone of some enjoyment of where I can give Adam Sandler any form of credit. <laughs> See, I was mixing up in my mind. I was like, did Craig have Abby Gilmore? But then, no, you had... I had Waterboy. Waterboy. <laughs> which was also a miserable experience. <laughs> right, so those ones are safe. I'll have a two, mama. <laughs> we then went to films that are like about music, uh, but not musicals themselves, uh, triggered by the Eurovision film, uh, which we then also put Inside Lewin Davis and School of Rock and Pitch Perfect. This was like quite a weird one. And even I think the episode itself people were confused about because remember when I tried to do the Eurovision element yeah. and people were coming in with like their favorite music-based films and half of them would... Oh, some of, yeah, music. some of them were just whiplash. Yeah, <laughs> but some of them were also just musicals. And yeah. I was like, Ugh. So uh, I don't know, it's, it's a similar thing. I'm, I'm not sure if something like Inside Lewin Davis, like even though I think it is a good film, it would deserve its place there. But in the context of that one, on reflection, not so sure. But Yeah, so for me, this is my controversial stake. Mm. Of those four films, on the basis of the actual discussions that we had and the basis of what we actually wanted to do, I think the only film that stays in there is Eurovision, The Song of Fire. Oh, uh, damn it. <laughs> you wanted it gone. Yeah, me, well... Oh, I you're, just, not, you're not no, getting it gone. I just remembering that, that it was like you and Kiara enjoyed it a lot more than I did, yeah. so I, I was... But you're miserable. Of, I was kind of against it when we originally put it in, but... But here's the thing, right? I think just the, the conversation we had after that was disjointed because it was very much focused on those rankings i think we put in those films to sort of honor that ranking mm. i think they have better chances in other areas so i'm not sure if they would so so you're saying actually get rid of like the other three yes and keep that in okay uh yeah I, I i could agree with that actually so yeah well you thought i was gonna nuke them all <laughs> no i thought you were gonna like maybe nuke that because you would be like oh these are all three other good films but uh, I'm not sure if age is like time has aged Eurovision as well. But yeah, but I think for also what it like in terms of quality film, right? Maybe not. But in terms of what it actually represented, let's face it, Eurovision itself is going to have a long-standing legacy, mm. and I think a lot of people are still going to buy into the weirdness of of Eurovision because of Story of Fire Saga. Yeah, and especially I suppose after talking about Adam Sandler films, you know, you could still be talking about like Will Ferrell films and stuff like that as well. Yeah. Also, I I hear a lot on the on different radio stations. Uh, a combination of what is the song at the end? So, like there's Ya Ya Ding Dong. No, 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 no. The song, like the actual last Eurovision actual song. Is that the one she changes it? The to? changes it to yeah, uh, yeah. It's like it's like my ho your home or something like something that. Something like, like that. that yeah. I hear that on the radio a lot. I hear Ya right. Ya Ding Dong references a lot. True. You cannot tell me yeah. this film doesn't have a legacy. Yeah, true, actually, and and I do love Ya Ya Ding Dong. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, suck it <laughs> and also Iceland did eventually do pretty well in Eurovision eventually so also Eurovision is having a lot of impact on the mainstream music scene because Maniskin won it this mm, year right yeah so I say this year 2021 yeah uh, so a few more then which like we had our X-Men episode with X2 X-Men United we had a uh, sort of looking at uh, streaming services where we were talking about the problems with Netflix we had human traffic and extra go in as recommendations uh, there uh, we had uh, also I am mother uh, as a highlight for one from Netflix uh, talking about noir films we had Sunset Boulevard and Rafifi and then we went on to our discussion about like Disney adaptations so if we go up to like Rafifi in terms mm -hmm. of again some more like niche ones I think obviously I think 
you said it earlier, like one of the standouts that we've watched was X2. So I think that one for me is safe. Yep. Um, I think, again, talking about that, like, you know, bringing on someone who's a specialist, Nia loved Noir so much. I think that means the Sunset Boulevard and Rafifi, you know, are also safe. Yep. Also, also... Sunset Boulevard was so impactful for us. It made its way into our intro. Exactly. Yeah. So happy to keep those in. Others, like I said, I put in I Am Mother about Happy, actually, just for that to go. So again, it was that kind of idea of like, oh, we have to put something in that represents Netflix. Well, actually, do we? Especially considering Netflix has a lot stronger range of films that can actually fulfill its well, role much better. as well, because they've actually had so many more originals. Like, their quality has actually gone up quite a lot, as we saw with yeah. Tick, Tick, Boom, etc. So... I'm happy to take tick, that tick, out. Boom, don't look up. Yeah. Like this year this year alone. Also, let's not forget Roma was a Netflix. Yeah. So yeah, I think we were joined by Elliot Slade, you know, filmmaker during that episode, and there was like a discussion of like British cinema. I think one that he kind of like recommended was Extra, but again, that was something that we've not seen, and he said it was a very weird choice. Um, human traffic was one that stood out to me and i think so for me i'd be just justified that one a lot more yeah i think i'm happy to keep human traffic in but get rid of extra to be honest sorry elliot but hopefully we can talk about it come back on the 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 podcast and we'll talk about it in the future but i think it's just for legacy's sake we prefer to have that deeper dive into it so yeah sorry extra you were just extra baggage (laughs) so going to the disney remakes then uh we had Mulan go in as the original which was interesting because this was before the live action one came out um and then we also chose 101 Dalmatians as in that as a good remake didn't yes. we with uh Ed the choosing own, them. at the time only good sort of live a- adaptation yeah we talk a lot about Disney adaptations what's your feelings on on these two Craig I mean it's clearly they both stay in right yeah but the point where the entire episode about Mulan we had a discussion about the original film and what makes it good and therefore just whether or not it should be touched in the first place. Yeah. And also I advocated hard that 101 Dalmatians was like my favorite live adaptation remake. Even if you do not necessarily consider it in the same sort of vein as say everything from Maleficent onwards, just because it's a different era. I think it is the thing that started it. We leave it alone. Yeah. And I think I'd probably definitely put the caveat that maybe we should just put a brackets with the date of Mulan just so people don't think that the remake is in there just because a lot of people have major issues with that film. <laughs> oh yeah, the I fact mean... that it was filmed in a slave, like a place that like promotes slave camps. So uh, yeah, yeah we, do... we are talking about the 90s film. Yeah, let's not talk about the actual like politics. <laughs> no. We then talked about Charlie Chaplin films. So we had The Great Dictator, The Kid. Here we are trying, we are starting to get more into the territory in which we're talking about specific films. We're not talking broadly about them. So... Yeah, I'm just going to list off quite a few here from ones which were specific. So we have The Great Dictator, The Kid, Trick Our Treat, Volcano, Gosford Park, Gremlins, and Edward Scissorhands. So those were talking about Charlie Chaplin films, uh, ones that represented Halloween, End of the World, Disaster Movies, Mystery, Murder Mystery Films, and Dark Christmas Films. I think, again, all of those we discussed enough that they justify their placement in there. I may not agree with some of them, but they were discussed. They were voted on. So Yeah. Uh, We then had Dan and Joe came on talking about, like we said earlier, the future of cinema, etc. They said the best ones which reflected that kind of weird year of cinema, you know, cinemas being closed and films being cancelled were 
the Hunt and Trolls World Tour. Uh, I'm not sure so much about the Hunt because to me, again, I, I agree with them. I think the Trolls World Tour does very much reflect that weird time. Oh, you coward. <laughs> but I don't know if the Hunt does. I, I don't I, even know what the Hunt is, so I want that one gone. <laughs> that was, yeah, it was, uh, it was a film that was cancelled or it was uh, postponed before the pandemic because of US, you know, it was about... It was like a Hunger Games kind of thing in which like rich people are like hunting people down in uh, in America for sport. And uh, because of maybe a shooting or something that happened in America, they postponed it. But then because of the pandemic, it just got ridiculously postponed. So but that's why I don't think it reflects that. that no, whole, no like, time COVID to die. Yeah. That. So I, but I agree with Joe. I think that the, the Trolls one was a particularly weird thing of like it released digitally and you had to pay 20 pounds for it. So... Sorry, Dan. I think. However, I would argue that if we're going to be looking at it from that scope, there are films that have happened since then that represent that sort of funding model a lot worse. AKA, I think what Disney did with a lot of theirs in terms of, you know, the premier access to Mulan was more definitive. I know, but I think that it's just because at that time we said, right, right, right now, what represents that era? And because I think it'd just be a bit unfair to go, oh, well, since these other films have done that, and which one do you choose? There's so many. But I think what Joe said, and I still agree with, is that that was Trolls was the first film to do that. So it was the first one to ever go, right, we're taking this from a cinema release and putting it on thing for £25, £30. And everyone was like, this is ludicrous. Whereas by the time Disney started doing that, some more people were still on board with it. So I do agree the Trolls World Tour was still just such a game changer for being the first to do that. And there was that whole, like, the cinemas were protesting, being like, we're not putting Universal in our, you know, we're not showing Universal films anymore and all of this kind of stuff. So I I think it's still, I think that that was still... This sickens the pinnacle. Me. <laughs> hey, it's, right, it's fine. With it's, good luck, Chuck. <laughs> fine, it stays, but this sickens me. <laughs> we then had like influential movies, which we talked about with uh, good friend Alid. So there we had Toy Story, The Shining, V for Vendetta. We also then talked about versus movies when Godzilla versus Kong was coming out. So we had Gamera versus Gaios. Uh, we then went to Mortal Kombat from 1995, which we talked about because the new version of Mortal Kombat was coming out. And then we went over to uh, Oscar films and we had Lawrence Arabia recommended by Steph. So again, here, I think the one that stands out is Lawrence Arabia because there wasn't much of a discussion. We did kind of say to Steph, what is a, a good Oscar winning film? You know, and what do you, you know, like, what do you pick? Because there's so many great ones. I think even Steph said, oh, you know, there's so many that could choose. And if I was to choose one, okay, maybe this film. But a- again, I just feel this like it's such a broad topic. It's like, what is the one Oscar film that you think reflects all Oscar winning films? But again, there wasn't really much of a discussion about it. It was just, you know, Steph did go like, oh, if there was going to be one, it would be this. But I just think, you know, something like that deserves a discussion. I feel that we went about that in the realistically the wrong way because yeah. again i think that was us trying to say well there's obviously about oscars obviously something's going to go in mm. if we are literally going to be talking about the strength of these films and the, and the sort of legacy realistically it will spill over another wage right no yeah. how we've already got a number of films but we've already gl- glossed over in this list and also got coming up that did win oscars or are likely to win oscars for those reasons, right? And I think realistically, if we're going to be looking at that sort of legacy, that's how we do it for particularly those types of films. So yeah, I think Lawrence of Arabia is gone. Everything else, I think, does have to stay. Yeah. Because um, Toy Story, The Shining, V for Vendetta, they were films films that were inspirational to us. We very much had to discuss them. That's fine. 
Gamera versus Gaios, the entire point of both that episode and the end game itself was discussing its merit mm. to go in. It won out. It won outright. Right. The film's quality was argued well enough that it won outright an end game. Mortal Kombat, I'm, I actually think, does stay in because the new one was worse. <laughs> I don't think the new one was worse, but it's also just, again, for what we were looking at as like the era of basically using your logic now for why good luck Chuck survives, mm, yeah. right? If we're looking at the era of video game film adaptations of that era, mm. it very we discussed it, it very much stands out. And hell, the fact that they wanted to remake remake it just means it has a legacy there. Yeah, so yeah, the... And I think then from there on, like I said, that you know the list got a lot shorter because we did get start to get a lot more focused, and we had stuff like Pudsy the Dog, the movie, etc., which came up. If that went in, I'd quit. But we also had uh, X Men First Class, X Men Days of Future Past, which we talked about in our sort of X Men Beginnings trilogy discussion. After talking about the original three films, we then talked about Little Miss Sunshine, as you discussed earlier. We had Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory when we celebrated that anniversary. We had Excalibur, which I mentioned from our King Arthur episode, Goldeneye from our Bond episode, and Bridge on the River Kwai from our Boxing Day movies. There's also a bonus one, which I'll get to in a second. But out of those ones, again, I think all perfectly justifiable, especially like Little Miss Sunshine, Willy Wonka, because, you know, those were just episodes based solely on those episodes. Um, I know that there's some people which have a lot of problem with X-Men First Class because Darwin died and like such as Tom because he literally can't be killed. But I don't think that's enough of a reason to just that is being an entire film. That's being a comic book nitpicker and that is, <laughs> that is not enough for me. <laughs> so yeah, I'm happy with all of the remaining ones staying in there. Um, our bonus one. So this was this was a unique one because it wasn't one which we had a discussion about. Uh, this was one which was like a reward for winning one of our Endgame specials. So the one that I believe Dai and Steph decided to go in was Phantom Thread after winning their Endgame special. So Craig, what are your feelings on that? Right. Here's why I think it's removed. A <laughs> couple of reasons. One, it is a film that went in on bad faith. It went in specifically on the basis of they knew I hated the film. They very much were... They felt victimized by my end games <laughs> to the point they wanted to punish me. The fact that Steph had a, a poster of Phantom Fred behind them, knowing that I hated the film just to wind me up. They, they kept doing things they wanted to annoy me. I, I think it went in on bad faith. Two, the nature of the prizes of how we dealt with films after then sort of evolved to the point that we had to still discuss films and basically discuss the legacy, right? We discussed Little Miss Sunshine. We discussed The Fifty Shades. We discussed Pudgy the Dog, the movie. <laughs> so it just feels like an outlier for Phantom Fred to stay in the um, uh, stay in the movie vault when all those other films that were people's uh, you know favorite uh, pieces of choices don't. This is why I am issuing you a challenge here, Steph and I, publicly on this podcast. So hopefully you're listening and maybe dan and joe because they also were like oh, and dan, yes. and, dan and joe because also you are suck-ups and you also need to be dealt with i'm challenging you all if you object to the removal of phantom fred coming out of the movie vault this is what is happening you are coming on an episode of this show and we are talking about phantom fred your one and only goal is this david and i will be the only ones who decide if it goes in the movie vault based on the discussions that you bring 
against what we had problems with with regards to that film. If you can convince us, we will put it back in. If you cannot, then screw you. It is going out and it is never being mentioned on the show again. <laughs> I think the bad faith thing as well is, again, it's like whether they can convince us like that their points are valid, but also if it can go in on good faith again, because we've had yeah. films that we don't like that have gone in, but we're putting them in there on good faith. So yeah, I think that that's a good point. And, and true that, you know, the end game ones we've talked about those films, the people have then mentioned. So yeah. Yeah. Sorry guys. I think, uh, you know, we, we got the power here, but we're not saying we won't discuss it or have a, have a chance for it to go in, in the future. So, uh, yeah, fandom thread, unfortunately that, that is a uh, has been disposed of for now, and uh, we'll see what that evolves to in the future. Okay, so that means that we do have our definitive list now, Craig. Of the when you say definitive, we're adding more films to this list. That does not make it <laughs> definitive, definitive for the start of the year. <laughs> uh, but going forward, I don't think we would ever go, oh, let's now take that out. So that's why I mean that, you know, we won't ever change this again, like what comes before this. So we'll only ever add to it unless somebody wants to be pedantic and say, well, well you added Phantom Thread again. But again, that's it'll be added on its merits in that episode. Yeah, but like we're not removing any of these films from this point onwards. No, exactly. So these now have golden status. Yeah, exactly. So. For everyone at home, if you want to keep track, we'll refresh your mind about these as we go along now, as we're adding films to the vault. Uh, we'll have some announcements in terms of like our episodes coming up in the future. So that will be a big element of, you know, what is in this f- film vault? What do you want to see in there? So our movie vault list, which is what we're going into 2022 with and will only be added to. This is our ranking now after refreshing the list so we have and i'm doing this for my own sandy raiders of the lost ark indiana jones and the temple of doom indiana jones and the last crusade jurassic park the man who laughs the dark knight batman mask of the phantasm frankenstein creature from the black lagoon mary poppins rocky horror picture show it's a wonderful life muppets christmas carol elf Home Alone, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, Star Trek 2009, Whiplash, Mad Max Fury Road, Wonder Woman, Black Panther, Captain America Civil War, Avengers Assemble, Avengers Age of Ultron, Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Endgame, Star Wars A New Hope, Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back Star Wars Return of the Jedi Star Wars Revenge the Sith Star Wars The Force Awakens Man of Steel Good Luck Chuck The Invisible Man Kung Fu Panda How to Train Your Dragon Shrek Shrek 2 The Prince of Egypt Groundhog Day Hot Fuzz Joker Sweeney Todd Zootopia, Knives Out, Parasite, The Muppet Movie, The Muppets Take Manhattan, Muppet Treasure Island, Rent, Tron Legacy, Big Daddy, Happy Gilmore, and Eurovision The Story of Fire Saga. X2, X-Men United, Human Traffic, Sunset Boulevard, Rafifi, Mulan Animated, 101 Dalmatians, live action, 
The Great Dictator, The Kid, Trick or Treat, Volcano, Gosford Park, Gremlins, Edward Scissorhands, Trolls World Tour, Toy Story, The Shining, V for Vendetta, Gamera vs. Gaios, Mortal Kombat 1995. And rounding off, X-Men First Class, X-Men Days of Future Past, Little Miss Sunshine, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Excalibur, Goldeneye, and Bridge on the River Kwai. And the special guest appearance from Faye Donaway, La La Land. <laughs> so yeah, that is the movie vault going into 2022, guys. Give us your thoughts on uh, what you think of the films that are in there so far. Do you agree with anything? Do you disagree? What do you want to see discussed in the future? Uh, but as Craig said, you know, nothing else would be sort of leaving the vault but we have plenty more to sort of be considered to go back in. And uh, yeah, we look forward to having lots more challenges and discussions, including potentially talking about Phantom Thread in the future. We're in the end game now. Oh, it's so annoying. Okay, end game time. Very simple one today. I just want to see how much you've un- um, understood the films of 2021. So this is just the big, ba- uh, big fat film quiz of the year, 2021. Essentially, no no big stress with this one. I've just found a quiz compiled by filmstories.co.uk, which is just a list of 21 questions about the films of this year. I just want to see how well you do. Okay. <laughs> okay. However, I'm going to add in a, a, a little caveat. Uh, basically, there's no prize, necessarily. All there is, you avoid a punishment. Right. <laughs> All right. So I want you to get... 11 out of 21 at the very least. So you avoid a slap in the face. (laughs) Well, we're in person again now. I can bring in physical punishments. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. There's no time limit. It's just how many of these questions you get. Okay. We'll start off nice and easy. Question one. Whose director's cut of 2017's Justice League was released digitally in March? Zack Snyder. Correct. Question two. Which film comes next in this sequence? Fargo, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Fargo, Three Billboards Outside Missouri. Nomadland. Correct. And why is that the sequence? Uh, is it because of the actress? Uh, the best winning yes. Oscar winning actress? Can't Who is? Uh, her name has escaped me for some reason right now. Um I can't remember her name. Francis McDormand. That's it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm tempted to take the point off just because you had no idea. <laughs> Question three. The third Conjuring film was released in May. What's its full title? Is it The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It? Correct. Your face is looking very soft right now. <laughs> Number four. Which US city shares its name with a time loop rom-com starring Andy Samberg and Kristen Milotti? Miliotti, sorry. Spring Break? Nope, the answer is Palm Springs. Palm Springs, yeah. Spring Break, famously, not a city in America. <laughs> I was like, oh, I know it's something to do with, like, summer and stuff, but... Yeah. Number five. Who connects the 2021 films Dune and The French Dispatch, both released in UK cinemas on the same day in October? Timothy Chalamet. Correct. Number six. 
Complete the title of the Netflix original animated film, The Mitchells vs. The Machines. Correct. Number seven. What decade connects The Courier, Judas and the Black Messiah, and Last Night in Soho? Courier. I know it's something about like Cold War, so 1989? No. The decade. Oh. Hmm. I don't know whether to use this chance to reconsider my answer, actually. 70s. 60s. Ah, okay. Number eight. In Freaky, which comic actor plays the serial killer who swaps bodies with Catherine Newton's high schooler? Sorry, repeat the question. In Freaky, which comic actor plays the serial killer who swaps bodies with Catherine Newton's high schooler? Vince Vaughn. Correct. Number nine. Which musical features the songs Breathe, 96,000, and Carnival del Barrio? Uh, In the Heights. Correct. Number 10. Which British comedian and actor plays ill-fated scientist Dr. Hardy in the James Bond film No Time to Die? Oh, it is... Who was it? I was like, oh my god, they're in this... Oh, god damn it! Uh, oh, um, was it Hugh Dennis? Hugh Dennis. Yeah. Number eleven. Hello, cruel world is the tagline for which Disney film? Cruella. Correct. Number twelve. Which director reunited with Tom Hanks for the Western drama News of the World released on Netflix in February? Paul Greengrass. Correct. (laughs) One more and you're safe. (laughs) Which crime filler spin-off was billed as From the Book of Saw? Oh, what was the name of that? That that is the Mm. question I just asked you. (laughs) Um, Oh. I can't remember. Pass. Spiral. That's it. I knew it was just something completely different to Saw, but... Number 14. Which 2009 film topped the list of the all-time highest-grossing movies at the worldwide box office for a second time in March this year? Avatar. Correct. And that means you are safe. Yeah. (laughs) Number 15. Space Jam A New Legacy features characters from It, A Clockwork Orange, and The Devils, but which Looney Tunes character was cut out due to his problematic personality? Oh, um, I'm trying to think of his name now. It's, uh, this, uh, Pepe, the, no? I need his full name. Yeah, um, Pepe Le Pew? Yep, it's Pepe Le Pew. (laughs) Number 16. Complete the title of the prime video musical adaptation everybody's talking about. Uh, Jamie. Yeah. The fact it took you that long mm. sickens me. <laughs> Which Netflix horror trilogy connects the years 1994, 1978, and 1666? Netflix horror trilogy. Hmm. No idea. Pass. Fear Street. Never heard of it. 
Ridley Scott had two films out in 2021, but which has performed better at the worldwide box office? House of Gucci. Yeah, I didn't even need to give you the options. Mm-hmm. Uh, bonus point, because why not? Uh, what is the what is the reason given for why that's the case? It has Lady Gaga? <laughs> um, no, it's about uh, uh, Ridley Scott's uh, connection to why he said Last Duel did so badly, which was Millennium. Oh, millenni- Millenniums, or whatever it was. Millennials yeah, is that's it. Uh, specifically put here. Yeah, that's why he said it. Number 19. Which country promises Gerard Butler and his family sanctuary from a planet-killing comic in the disaster thriller of the same name? Yeah, I can't remember. I remember this film coming out, but I don't know. Belgium? <laughs> <laughs> Greenland. <laughs> Number 20. Lucky, Podcast, and Trevor are all characters in which 1980s franchise suite sequel? Uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yep. Number 21. Which axe-wielding film stories magazine cover star connects the 2021 films in uh, films in the earth and Venom Let There Be Carnage? Say it again, sorry, the first bit. Which axe-wielding film stories magazine cover star, so I'm guessing that's something specific yeah. to them, uh, connects the 2021 films in the earth and Venom Let There Be Carnage? Um... I'm just going to say Woody Harrelson, but I have a feeling it might be the actress who plays like his love interest in that film. Do you happen to know her name? Mm, Naomi Watts or something? Reese Smith. Ah, right. Okay. Cool. So at the end of that, you got 15 out of 21. Awesome. Uh, there was also a bonus round, but I can't be able to give you that. So yeah. <laughs> so congratulations, David. You are safe. Whether or not that plays out for the rest of this year, we will see. <laughs> I've just done a clap sound effect if it was. but um, Oh, I was going to do the gong. <laughs> so, yeah, well, yeah, great way to uh, round off 2021 there. And uh, glad I uh, held up, especially after some poor performances in Endgames recently, you know, the last few times I've done them. Uh, yeah, so now we just uh, round things off by talking about what is to come in 2022. And... Uh, Craig, you know, I think it's kind of evident there from that conversation we are having about the movie Vault about why, you know, we're just changing things up and we'll go into more detail in like the end of our next episode. But here, can you just sort of give a bit of context as to why we're maybe going to be having some changes on Well Good Movies and we're going to have a bit of a new format and new ways that, uh, you know, our listeners can sort of interact with the episodes and guests, etc. Well, very much the way that we've sort of evolved towards the end of this year is very much wanting to look specifically at uh, films and just give them their due, give them the spotlight, regardless of sort of the perceived quality of them. However, the way that we've sort of been restricted by this is by trying to get things which are thematically relevant to things going through the year. And we found that that's quite a restrictive way of wanting to do things in terms of both, you know, getting people who actually want to be talking about it and engage in it, but also just not fully engaging the listeners as well. We think that it would actually be nice for you to have some degree of hype about what's going to be coming up so the way we're going to be adapting the format uh which will be illustrated exactly how we do this is very much we will be giving you more of information uh towards the end of each episode about what will actually be coming up in the future episodes um and just giving them their dues there might be bonuses uh, along the way that sort of intersperse that as we always try to have like some bonuses where we feel they're relevant but very much we want there to be a sort of hype around when the episodes are actually released as opposed to just randomly what are these guys potentially going to talk about this week we very much want there to be sort of a buzz about it 
Yeah. And like we said previously, there's not going to be that element of like, we're taking this broad topic because as we said as well, the, the way things have changed in terms of like availability and the way that we work now, you know, it's very hard to just cover an entire franchise, especially when you want to keep it to sort of like 90 minutes to two hours. It's like you said, it's giving those films their dues, you know, it's like you can be too broad in talking about these bigger topics. And I think, you know, the the elements that we've enjoyed most is like, you know, what goes into the movie or why does this film deserve to go in there? And by going through the list there, I think it was evident that we were happy with everything that's gone in within the past few episodes because they had had those dedicated episodes and they had had their dues in terms of that discussion. And it makes for a more exciting list, I think. So hopefully those films that we discussed, like Indiana Jones and Star Wars, etc., hopefully they can have their dues as Mary Poppins do did in the sense that they are discussed uh, more broadly in the future and i think that you know our new format and stuff will allow for that and it also will be a great way for the audience at home to kind of watch along with us it'll be a great sort of experience i think for everyone we got like some really exciting fun ideas in which people can kind of watch along with us whereas before like you said you didn't know what was coming up or it might just be times that people have said well i've never watched that film before or i've not heard of this well now there's going to be an element of like well watch along with us and discuss with us it's going to be really great and we can't wait to sort of tell you more about that there'll be more details in the next episode and we'll have some more like promotional material and stuff coming out for it so we look forward to uh telling you all about that uh craig uh once again you are given the task of a tease in the next episode uh, especially as it is still linked to that uh end game as uh, you've been teasing for the past few weeks yeah so very much this is it this is finally we're going to be seeing the prize that the winning team of the champions cut of the end game specials will be putting us through so it'll be the first episode where David and I will not be hosting, but very much the guests, we imagine. Um, and instead, Alex McCready and Ed Mason will be taking the reins and putting us through our paces in terms of what we actually talk about. But very much the conversation will be on the ba- on the grounds that they want it, as opposed to, you know, the way that we usually do it, which is just we pose questions. We will be the ones answering questions. Mm-hmm. And then also there will be some form of endgame, which David and I, for another time, will go for head-to-head. Currently, the scores are... The first time was draw, the second time I won. So let's see if David can get a point off me for a change. And then even if you think of like the times we were on the Dan and Joe film show, I think both times... I still they, won, yeah. yeah. you won all those as well. Oh yeah, because so. like David's brilliant strategy for is it a man? No. Is it a woman? Yes. <laughs> that, that, that's classic. We were watching Weakest Link yesterday. That That's classic kind of quiz show fumbles <laughs> like why did i think that why yeah. did that pop in my head so yeah I've, I've definitely got something to prove in the in this next one and yeah it'll be you know a great start to the year uh, we hope to have a lot of exciting new guests we hope to have a lot of people come back uh, some of our regulars some of our favorite people to talk to uh, you know everyone you've seen within the past two and a half years we do please you know reach out to us if you've got a film you want to discuss if there's one that you know that's coming up then please do like tell us about it we are happy for anybody who's ever joined us before to come back and we're happy for lots of new guests uh, to join us as well so we can't wait to share all of that and yeah it's going to be some really fun times coming up ahead guys Uh, lots of new exciting stuff and uh, we hope you are there along for the ride we very much see this as the level up now we sort of built our community built our audience and everything like that you know we got people who listen in america in the uk and we'll be putting a lot more out on our socials and a lot more interaction with the episode so please 
do like I said reach out to us tell us you know what you would like to see discussed in the movie world what are your thoughts on what's already in there what we're discussing uh, we can't wait to sort of bring uh, all these new ideas to you and a great way to do that is also you know we got a lot of stuff that we'll be bringing up in the next year or so but currently a good way to sort of interact is uh, if you listen on Spotify they've now brought in uh, interactable questions on there so if you go onto the Spotify app or on the player uh, I've always then added like a question so this week's question will be what film do you want us to see uh, discuss to go into the movie vault in the future so if you look at previous episodes uh, some of the questions I think have been added as like what was your favorite Bond film what Boxing Day movie do you always watch so that's a great way to support us and sort of interact with us other great ways you know give us a review on apple or you know itunes etc if you listen through apple podcasts and as usual you know just subscribe follow like all the socials uh if you can so yeah the usual you can find us on twitter instagram and facebook at well good movies you can catch us over on our website which is freshtakehub.com which has lots of fun stuff over on there as well in terms of written content and video content Uh, you can also find all of our web uh, all of our previous episodes on there if you want to go back and listen to discussions we've had about the films we've been talking about today or if you want to catch up on the last few that we've done recently such as bond and the boxing day special and yeah you know please do like i said follow us like all our stuff and recommend us to your friends you know if you've got big movie buff friends out there then this is the podcast that they want to be listening to especially as people are going back to work and if you want something crazy and fun to pop on in the background uh, is there anything lastly from yourself craig just simply to say happy 2022 yeah for the love of god let this one be better <laughs> craig is not talking about the year he's just talking about the quality of films that he'll have to endure <laughs> during this time i mean that too sure <laughs> so yeah thank you once again for joining us guys we've had a great time uh just the two of us talking to you and uh we look forward to coming back with some exciting guests and some exciting challenges so see you next time bye-bye bye So those are good. Uh, we then went and talked Pause. about the standing. It was not actually working. <laughs> I've, I've changed my mind.